Welcome to the Hudson Wesleyan Church Podcast, a recording of the weekly messages of Pastor Wesley Rowan during the Sunday worship service. We trust the time you spend listening will enhance your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here is Pastor Wes. Over the last month or so, we've really been talking about uh, focusing on uh, Jesus, and we've been talking about <clears throat> what it means to, to focus on Jesus here at the beginning of the new year. Uh, Carrie shared with us on the Sunday that I was gone um, the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of searching for Jesus, of, of looking at Jesus. And then um, uh, on Epiphany, we talked about seeking uh, the pursuit of King Jesus, of really wanting uh, the King of Kings to be Lord of life. And then we uh, talked on the, the Sunday, we had a virtual service with the snowstorm, and we were in New York and everything that was going on. We talked about contending for Jesus, about really being willing to pick up the torch and to take the challenge of pursuing Jesus. And then last week, we talked about worshiping Jesus. We talked about our worship services and what, what do we do in worship and how does that pertain to what Jesus Jesus has done for us. Today, we're going to actually go back to a verse that I shared during our virtual service, which is uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's in Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race which is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the word fixing means to avert our eyes from one thing and to focus them on something else. This word in the Greek does not just mean let's zero in on something. It actually means to turn your focus from one thing and to focus it in on something else instead. Okay, I want you to keep that in mind when we talk about fixing our eyes on Jesus, laying aside everything else. Why? Because he laid aside everything else in order to come to us, to be among us and endure the cross. So we don't set aside other things in order to prove our devotion to him, but rather we set aside other things or we turn our gaze away from them. We focus on him because we want to pursue him. We want to be in relationship with him. Not that other things are wrong, but rather that they may, uh, focusing on them may detract from us being able to focus on Jesus. So I want to just uh, have that as kind of a foundation today, and we're going to talk about different things that we need to maybe avert our eyes from uh, at least a tight focus on them in order to better focus on Jesus. There was a young man a long time ago who was born into a wealthy family, and so he had money growing up. But as he uh, matured into his teens and then 20s and, and early 30s, he not only had money that had been, uh, he had inherited or that his family had, but he really became fairly uh, good at business himself. He was a good businessman, well-known in the, in the city where he had been born. He owned businesses. He really was doing well for a young man. He had quite a bit of wealth, and he wasn't, harsh with it. He wasn't overbearing. He wasn't stingy, but, but he, he, he was doing well, kind of living the life that everyone might hope to live at that age, you would think. 
but the more that he enjoyed his wealth and ran his businesses and and worked with his employees and kind of came up as a person of prominence in the community, the more he realized that these things really were not answering some of life's deeper questions. They were enjoyable. But he started to think about, but what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? As someone who starts to mature through their adult years will often think of, what's beyond all of this? I can make money and spend money and give, and someday I'm going to die and it's going to go to those who come after me. So what is the meaning of life? What is really eternal? There was a professor who was coming to his city to do a series of talks And this professor had somewhat of a reputation of being a man of wisdom, but also a man of religious wisdom. And so he determined that he should go listen to this presentation, this talk that this well-known professor was giving. And so he went, and at the end of the discussion, there was a, a Q&A time, and you've seen some of these, if you haven't been to one, you've probably seen them online on YouTube, where a speaker will go talk to maybe a group of college students or something like that, and then they'll do a Q&A. What questions do you have? And they'll just answer them off the cuff, which I always think is super brave of people who are doing public presentations. Um, I, I'm comfortable and familiar with the, I've got things I'm going to say, you're going to listen to them, and we'll call that good, but these, these give and take. Q&As, they put a microphone in front of you and you ask whatever you want. So this happens to this, at this presentation. And so the man says to the professor after the, after the talk, he says, what do you think, he gives him a little bit maybe of a background about himself, but he says, what, what do you think is really the, the way to some sort of eternal value? Like, all this stuff around us, let's face it, it's all kind of temporary. And the professor answered, well, you know that the religions of the world, religions that are practiced in this city, maybe your religion, my religion certainly would tell us that we ought to be moral people, right? You Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. I mean, that's how you be, be a good person, you know? Don't commit adultery. Don't do any of these things. And the man started to turn, okay, my question's been answered. I can be a good person. That has eternal value. But as he started to turn and go away, he turned back and said, but, okay, let me ask you another question then. I try to be good. I, I, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't stolen anything. I haven't committed adultery. I, I don't lie. I, I, okay, so I am good, and I, I'm doing pretty well here on this earth, but I don't feel like that has connected me with anything beyond myself. That's all just me doing things. How do I get connected to something that is bigger and more eternal than I am? And the professor paused, and he thought for a minute, and he said, you know, As I drove into your city yesterday, I noticed some homeless shelters. I noticed some people out on the corner begging, nowhere to live, just holding up their sign in their cup for a few dollars maybe. 
I know that there's an, an abuse shelter in this community for women and families who have been abused. I know that. You've told me that you have, you're doing fairly well for yourself. If you want to be connected to something that is eternal and beyond yourself, why don't you go out and liquidate your assets and give it to those institutions and to those people that I know live in your city, that even though you are a kind man and you're doing well and you probably give already, there's still need in your community. Why don't you liquidate everything that you've got Give it to people who don't have and spend the rest of your life pursuing things that are not physical. And the Bible tells us in the book of Mark that that young man turned away from Jesus and went home. Sad. Because he was very wealthy. Jesus had pinpointed his problem. It wasn't that he wanted to find something eternal. It was that his gaze was focused so tightly on the physical things that he had. We call him the rich young ruler in the Bible. His gaze was focused so tightly on the physical things that he had that when Jesus said, well, then why don't you give away all that you have and come follow me? He couldn't do it. So Paul, or the, the Hebrew writer, some people think it's Paul, will say, fix your gaze upon Jesus. So I thought I would take about 10 or 15 minutes this morning and just talk about some things that are going to compete for your gaze this year. Okay? These are not bad things, but they are things that if they call for a fixation of your focus over Jesus, they will become bad things for you. And so we have some of these things up here this morning. You don't have to be a rocket surgeon to find out that you probably know what these mean, right? I know, I said rocket surgeon, I meant it. Um, the, uh, some of you are like, he really is having a rough morning this morning. Um, well, let's, let's start and just talk, talk about a few of them, and I can't linger on them long. I suspect that for some of us, the thing that we are going to have trouble not fixating on this year is some sort of relationship. Here we have some pictures. These are not people that you're, you know. They are random free pictures of people from the internet. But there's, if you can't see uh, from where you are, there is a picture of some friends, a picture of a dad with some kids, um, a dad and mom with some kids, a picture of a family reunion and a picture of a, a man and woman um, kissing a romantic relationship um, here in the top. There are all kinds of relationships in life, and they're good, okay? 
Nobody leave the sermon today and go home and tell your spouse or your kids or go to work tomorrow and tell your coworkers, pastor said I shouldn't pay any attention to you this year, okay? I mean, Valentine's Day is two and a half weeks away. At least wait until after then, all right? That's not what I'm saying because relationships are given to us by God, right? Yes, okay, good. They're given to us by God. But the Hebrew writer says, fix your eyes on Jesus. I've been pastoring for almost 17 years. I have had conversations with a lot of people who probably any of the other things that are on this platform that we're going to talk about this morning, they wouldn't hold that tightly to. But in the hierarchy of their thought process, the approval, the desire for certain people that were in their lives superseded their ability to focus on Jesus. And I have counseled people and tried to help them see that some of the problems in their relationship as they come to me with issues maybe that they're dealing with are either that they're so focused on that person that they're not first letting Jesus be the filter through which they live out that relationship or they're so focused on themselves instead of Jesus that they are acting out in their relationship in ways that are are self-centered. I want you to have good relationships Good romantic relationships, if the Lord has blessed you with that. Family relationships. I want you to have all of that. Work relationships, friendships. But I am telling you that the only way that we can be truly the people in those relationships that God wants us to be is to first fix our eyes on Jesus and filter everything about how we behave in relationships through the lens of the one who came to show us what perfect love looks like anyway. If we get our attention off of, oh, this relationship is the most important thing to me, whether it's teenagers, whether it's adults, family relationship settings, maybe even a, a work relationship, where it's like, man, I, you know, I want that to be, that's where I want to be. I need to, I need to you know, these people need to, to like me so I can pursue. Like, I hope people like you at work. I hope you have good relationships. But don't zero in on other people at the cost of abandoning our fixation on Jesus. You will be a much better boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, parent, child, employee, friend, when your fixation, not your glimpsing, not just, oh yeah, I love Jesus. No, your fixation is on him. And for some of us, that will be a struggle to allow this to submit to our fixation on Jesus. Now, some of you are sitting here this morning and go, I have no relationship in my life that would be more important to me than Jesus. Good. We got other things to talk about for you. But this is one area that we struggle with sometimes. We move on. For some of us, it's going to be our work. And I wrestled this week. I thought, what do I put up in front of people to signify work? We got a lot of different kinds of work in here. And I thought, I bet I could cover most of it if I said some people work in offices and some people work more with their hands. So I got my toolbox. Please don't look in here. It's not organized. And a computer. 
We work, and work is fulfilling. You might work at home. You, you might work in a place of employment. You might, wherever you go and you do your thing that you do all week long, your identity of what that is. It's valuable, and it's important. It's part of who God made you to be. He says to Adam and Eve, like, you're going to rule over this garden and this creation. You're going to name these animals. You're going to take care of the garden. Your work is ordained by God. He's given you capacity to do things. But can I warn you, if what you do begins to supersede your fixation on the one who gave you the ability to do what you do, this will become an idol to you. Because you'll want to be and to do and to have. The work schedule will begin to supersede everything else in your life. I'm not telling you to go into work tomorrow and tell your boss, look, I'm cutting back to a 25-hour week. My pastor said it was okay. It's not what I'm saying. But I am saying... Can I tell you this? I, I tell teenagers this. I've told my kids this. I've told other teenagers this. Young people especially listen to me. If there are values that you have in your life that you think are more important and supersede work, then figure them out early and hang on to them for dear life and don't let any employer tell you that they are different. Now, there probably shouldn't be many. I'm not saying like, well, one of my values in life is hanging out with my boys on Friday night, so if my boss is going to make me work, well, he's just going to have, no, I'm not talking about that. There are some things, though, that are more important to you, and I'm just going to, I'm going to shoot with you straight, okay? If you allow your job to take over your life, it will. And if you allow your boss to determine how you're, you are most valuable with all of your hours, they will. And when you have been used up, they will just do it to someone else. Because that's, and that's, not a, that's not saying shame on bosses. I'm saying that's how the fallen world of work works. And my job, and this is a balancing act, and I'm not always really great at it, but I try to make it clear and I have learned the hard way sometimes over the years. There are certain things that supersede what I do here. Some of you know this. You come in, you meet with me. I'll put my phone on my desk. And I'll say, I'm setting this here. There is one person, well, sometimes four people, depending on what day it is. There is one person in this world that's more important than what we're doing right now. And if she calls, I'm answering the phone. It's that simple. Because she's just more important than you are. That's the way it goes. So I'm going to set it here, and if it rings, I am going to look at it. But don't worry, if it's not her, I'm not going to answer it. That's cool. You'd be okay with that. And usually the response that I kind of get, guys, I just got to tell you, if it's a guy, he kind of goes, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And if I happen to be meeting with a woman, she goes, and I know what she's thinking. Does my husband do that? When I call, is he like, oh, yeah. Answer the phone. My point is, whatever it is, I tell teens when they're starting out with their work schedules, like, do you want to be able to be in church every Sunday? Tell your boss from the get-go. 
Tell them, I'll be the best employee you've got six days out of the week, but you schedule me on a Sunday, I ain't going to be there. Or Sunday morning or whatever you decide that is sacred to you. And then, when they unavoidably schedule you anyway, don't show up and say, I told you I wasn't going to be there. Say, you can't do that with a job. I've counseled several people who have, and they're still living, and most of them are still employed. Okay? It can be done. I'm not saying that's what you have to do, but I'm just telling you, you decide where this thing fits in your fixation on things that are greater than this. We could talk about that forever. We won't. We'll move on. This little device. I can't believe I used to carry a phone this small. This is one of my old cell phones. I'm like, wow, that would fit nicer in my pocket, wouldn't it? I debated about this, about what to say about this. I'm not going to talk about whether or not we spend too much time on our phones because I think that's such a hard thing to judge, okay? We, spend, we do waste a lot of time on our phones. We also spend a lot of time on our phones doing things that you would have had to get dressed, get out of the house, and go somewhere else to do any other time. I can, I can check in with a half a dozen people from the church and see how they're doing where I would have had to set up appointments before or drop it, but my dad was a pastor growing up. He just dropped into people's houses unannounced. I'm telling you, I not in a million years. He would just show up. Saturday night, dad's going out calling. Well, where are you going? Well, I might go over here, and I thought I'd drop by the other. Like, These people don't know you're coming. I can do in a half an hour what it would take me a couple days to accomplish on this thing. So I'm not going to talk about the time that we spend here. I'm going to tell you that of everything else maybe that is on this stage, this is the thing that is most likely to put stuff in front of you that will get your fixation off of Jesus. In fact, almost everything else that's up here, you could start by finding on here. Okay? In fact, some of you, you say, oh, well, I don't, I don't spend too much time at the office. Those but when you come home, you don't turn it off, you're jumping right back into work, okay? Can I just, I'm not even gonna linger on this part long, but can I challenge you? And, and if there is any of these areas maybe that, that I'm preaching to myself more than anybody else about, it's, it's probably this one. Whatever you get here, maybe your devotional and Bible app notwithstanding, Okay? is not ever going to compete with a really good fixation on Jesus. But it will work very hard because people have spent a lot of money to convince you that all of this is really important. Okay? When you turn on your electronic device, just realize that somebody has paid a lot of money for you to see whatever you see advertisements, news articles, games, social media stuff. A lot of people have paid a lot of money to get your attention. And if you think they're doing it because they're just philanthropic, no. There's something that they want from you. Your fixation. We move on. 
these two items here, one I used to be really good with, that's my ball glove. This thing has played a very important part of my life for a long, long time. I used it in high school. I used it in college. I played rec leagues with it. I used it to coach my kids. I was really good with this. I'm still okay, but I was really good with this for a while. I spent a lot of time with this for a long time. This item, I've never been good with. To the extent that I can play several rounds of golf and never pull this club out of my bag because I'm really that bad at it. But it represents something. Oh, you will never hear me tell you that athletics or hobbies or those extra things that you spend your time doing are bad uses of your time. Especially the more that we have the advent of this, I'd much rather see people using this because this is actually out of the house, right? Doing something, okay? It's active. You will never find me, but I can remember some folks who came from an even more conservative church than I did one time questioning, and some of you, if you grew up in really conservative movements, you know this. Thinking, certain branches of Christianity, thinking that competitive athletics was was bad for us because it started to turn our attention a little too far away from what really mattered. I was shocked to hear that. The older that I get, I at least see their point. I don't completely agree with it, but I see their point. But here's what I want to say about this. This is good for you. Man, more that would, would that more people spent their time and physical hobbies outside. But next to this one, I will bet that this idol consumes more time for more people, especially kids, teenagers, young adults, young parents, than just about anything else that I could talk about. And I'm not saying, look, I spent all day yesterday at a basketball tournament. Because I'm a good dad and she wasn't going to drive herself. Good. Loved it. It was it was good. But if we hadn't gone, the world wouldn't have stopped turning. And I'm not saying, hey, we're some kind of I'm some we're great parents. We got it all figured out. It would take you 10 minutes in our house to find out that's not true. But that thing demands time and attention that will start to override just about anything else that you have in your life. Especially, again, you know, those ages 10 to 25, 30, as you start having your own kids, maybe in. I'm just telling you, I've, I've watched it for a decade and a half now. I've watched it happen. And I'm not saying shame on you. Look, I play, I coach, I, I spend hours, especially in the spring and summer of my weeks, doing this. 
But the only way that this will actually be useful in your life is if it is through a lens of a fixation on something that is bigger than that. And that is Jesus. We got to move on. I will, this is probably, well, I don't know, maybe this is the right size. This is the TV that we have at the church, and I wasn't going to go out and get a different one, so I brought this one up here. This kind of represents entertainment. Now, it's sort of like the phone, okay? Um, but this is much bigger than the phone, and this is a small TV. You know that, right? So, uh, some of you have bigger TVs than this in your house. I don't have a bigger TV than this. I have a projector with a screen that's like three times the size of this, okay, in our basement, in our family room. So my point is, we like to be entertained. And it's not all electronic entertainment, but a lot of it is. We love to be entertained. Watch a movie, flip on a TV show. I mean, the, the idea, I think Netflix was the first one to come up with the idea that when one show ended, they would immediately just roll you into the next one, and we call that what? Binge watching. We do it. Don't look at me like we don't do it. We do it. If you like this video, YouTube says, then you will probably like this video. And you'll go, I didn't even know that there was a video series <clears throat> about how zookeepers clip elephants' toenails. But that sounds like something I should watch so I'm more educated. Maybe. Maybe you should. And now there's going to be this spike in Hudson today of Google searches. I don't know if that's even a thing. It just sounds like something that you would probably find at random. Um, I'm not even going to linger here. You, you get, you, if your entertainment is not filtered through a fixation on Jesus, it's going to take over your life. It's that simple. You don't need any evidence for that. Turn on your phone, turn on your TV. You, you will, you will see it's true. Okay. In two weeks, if you need proof that you're not sure this is true, in two weeks, the entire United States will grind to a halt so they can watch a football game. Which would be not weird, except it's only two teams playing, which means 99.9% .9 of the country don't even have a dog in the fight. Right? But the whole world will grind to a halt, and not just at game time. The money and the time and the effort. And I'm not saying whether that's good or bad. I'm just saying let's realize it for what it is. Entertainment has value in our country. And that's, hey, it's Super Bowl, okay. But if you think it ends there, no. All right, we're almost done. Oh, I'm going to fit this into five minutes. Okay. Here we have two flags. They look a little bit wrinkled. It's not because they haven't been well taken care of. It's because they haven't been on display for a long time. <sighs> this year, let's just say this year. I'll preach a different sermon next January. But this year, your ideas and love for and passion and preferences about what our country is or should be or shouldn't be will be milked for all they are worth. I preached about this on Epiphany. You remember that when we talked about pursuing the real King Jesus? There was a time when I definitely would have said almost any one of these things that's up here would probably have superseded our fixation on 
our country and patriotism and whatever. Not that we weren't patriotic, but just that we, we get sidetracked by a lot of these other things. And now, potentially, next to just your phone, which you have with you all the time, I might say that this subject has called for more of a fixation of the church and the people in it and our country in general than maybe for a long, long time. And there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, I, I, I don't have any problem being patriotic, Right? I mean, I get after my kids if they don't put their hand over their heart during the pledge or if they forgot or at the beginning of a ball game or when the flag's going by at a parade or whatever. I want to teach my kids that there's value and and respecting and honoring our country and the people who have served it. But can I just tell you something? That if your fixation on our country is not filtered through a fixation on Jesus, you will never be a good American. Because being a good American is about being a good American. It's first and foremost about being human. And being human means that you're created by a God who loves you, who condescended to save you. And if you can't fixate on him more than that, this will never matter. The end. And then we have this. You know what this is? (laughs) This is something somebody came up with. (laughs) The Christian flag. The last thing that I want to tell you, and this is a tough one to wrap our minds around, is that some people will be more fixated on what they think Christianity should look like than they will be on the Jesus who came to save them. Oh, church should be just like this. Oh, I don't like it that church isn't doing that. Your church does. You believe what? How, you read the Bible to say that. How could you? Well, then you're, you clearly can't be this. Look, I don't know where all the lines are. I think that when we get to heaven, we're going to find out there might have been a lot of people who said they were Christian who never got there and a lot of people that we never thought would be there that are there. That's my personal belief. I actually think that that's probably true. Okay? But all I want to tell you today is if we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, even our ideas of Christianity must be filtered through the lens of Jesus, not through just the voice of your pastor, although I hope you trust that I'm trying to follow Jesus as I lead you, not just some book or devotional that you've read, although I hope you read books and devotionals about your faith, not about your favorite online pastor, although I have no problem with you listening to other preachers and so forth. I do it, okay? Not just through your favorite denomination or your favorite, you know, a a Christian band or artist or whatever. I hope all of those things are part of your life. But if you don't filter all of those things through a strong fixation on Jesus, it will not matter. The church can only be the church when the people in the church are more in love with Jesus than they are with their idea of church. Right? Just like the citizens of a country can only be their best version of citizens of a country if they're first fixated on the one who created them and the country. Right? Friends, listen to me. All of these things will call for your fixation this year, for your focus. And yet, the Hebrew writer says, fix your eyes on Jesus. You think they didn't have this stuff in his day? Well, they didn't have electronic versions of it, but they had all the same things, right? They had entertainment and work and country and religious ideas and all of it. And he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. The last thing that I want to tell you is back in that story about the young man who comes to Jesus and says, where am I going to find eternal life? And Jesus says, go sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor. The young man goes away sad. There's something else 
that the gospel writers tell us in that story. It says that Jesus looked on that man with compassion because he loved him. Friends, listen. Whatever the distractions are, whatever the struggles are that you might have in these areas, and we've all got them, this is not a sermon of condemnation for us. This is a sermon of encouragement. The God who made you is looking on you with love today. And he wants you to see him for the beauty that he is. That message that Carrie shared with us a few weeks back about the beauty, the pearl that was so beautiful that he had to have it. Jesus is looking on you with love And he's not calling you to abandon all of these different aspects of life. He is is simply calling you to submit them under his lordship so that they can all be filtered through our fixation on him. Can we do that? Can we try to do that? Can we ask the Lord to help us to be better at doing that? I think we can. I can. I think that we can. So let's make that the case in the months to come as we proceed into this new year. Shall we stand? We're going to pray together and we're going to close. Can I encourage you, if the Lord pricked your heart with anything this morning, don't abandon it. Come back to it. Maul on it. Chew on it. God wants to work in our hearts. He wants to show us more of himself. Lord, we are thankful for all of these things that you put into our lives. What a time to be living right now. All these different aspects that we have. but we want to submit them to you. We want you to honor them. We want them to be filtered through you. So take them, take us, lay us on the altar, help us to be submitted and and to have our focus turned entirely on you and that everything else will follow. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. This message is a ministry of Hudson Wesleyan Church, where our mission is to see lives transformed for the glory of God. For more information, you may contact the church at 517-448-6411 or at hudsonwesleyan.org. Thank you for listening, and may God richly bless you.